This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let's pray. Lord, what an amazing thing it is to be united to you in baptism. Pray. Speak to us. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to know the presence of your Spirit. And help us to live as new creations, people of hope, in this troubled year. In Jesus' name. Amen. So you know when you download a file from the cloud, and it has the title like, Team Agenda 2020. You download it and it's there in your downloads folder. And then maybe accidentally you download the same file with the same title and it appears in the same folder, but it's different. It might say Team Agenda 2020, parenthesis one. There was so much hype about being out of 2020. The year has passed, a new year begins, everything's going to be wonderful. Welcome to 2021. Is this better or worse? We long for change for the better. We long for new beginnings. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's how Mark begins his gospel. And today's reading presenting Jesus' baptism is about a momentous change, a new beginning. And essentially, engaging with what God presents to us here this morning promises more real change, real new beginnings than those new beginnings we longed for as we hung up that month per view 2021 calendar. So here's my question for us this morning. What is God showing us in Jesus' baptism And how can we let him work new beginnings in us this year? What is God showing us in Jesus' baptism? And how can we let him work new beginnings in us today? Mark invites us to see this. In Jesus' baptism, God is working a new creation. Many commentators have spotted it. In Jesus' baptism, God is working a new creation creation. The creation story in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 presents the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And God said, waters, the Spirit hovering, God's voice, creation, new creation. And Lancelot Andrews, a famous Anglican divine uh, in early morning England, underlines how momentous Jesus' baptism is, pointing to, and I quote, the whole trinity in person. The Son in the water, the Holy Ghost in the dove, the Father in the voice. This was never so before, but once. Never but twice in all, in all the Bible. Once in the Old Testament and once in the New. In the Old, at the creation, the beginning of Genesis. There find we God and the Word with God creating. And the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters. And now, here again, at Christ's christening in the New. Now, Lancelot was preaching um, to 
King James in the royal court, and I'm preaching to a camera in Pittsburgh, but the words still ring true. What do we see in Jesus' baptism? God working a new creation. Okay, nice, fine. Fits this new year, new hope theme, but what has that got to do with us and our hopes and fears for 2021? To answer that, we need to focus on each of the members of the Trinity who are at work in Jesus' baptism. So to adapt Lancelot Andrew's phrase, the sun in the water, the spirit in the dove, the father in the voice. Number one, Mark chapter one, verse nine, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, the sun in the water. What water? The Jordan River. So what? What happens at the Jordan? Well, what's interesting is what doesn't happen. The river doesn't part. Well, why should it? Huh? Anyone who knows the Old Testament will be quietly disappointed that the Jordan River didn't part. So when Joshua and the priests were first going to cross over the Jordan to the Promised Land, in Joshua chapter 3, we read, When those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zerathon. So God's priests parted the Jordan. God's prophets, Elijah and Elisha, also parted the Jordan. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 7. We read, they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. If God's priests and God's prophets parted the Jordan, why did God's son not part the Jordan? Because at Jesus' baptism, God was parting something much greater. Verse 10. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart. Jesus' baptism parted not the Jordan, but the heavens. Biblical commentator David Garland writes, The barriers are torn down and torn open, and God is now in our midst and on the loose. Do you remember in the olden days when you could go to the theater and the curtains part, and you thought, aha, here we go, it begins. Somehow, Jesus' baptism, the sun in the water, is starting something new. The heavens are torn open. God is accessing our world in a new way. And Garland's language of God is now on the loose Reminds me of Aslan. But what we see in verse 10 is not Aslan the lion from C.S. Lewis's Narnia, but a dove. And just as, his, he was, just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. The sun in the water, the spirit in the dove. If you really love someone and they suddenly appear, maybe at an airport arrivals, you know, there's kind of sliding doors, or they just appear around the corner. If someone you really love suddenly appears, you can't but help move towards them. As Jesus emerges from the water, the heavens are torn apart. 
and God the Spirit descends. And this is better than the original creation. Lancelot Andrews again, there in Genesis, he did but move or flutter over the waters, enough for that effect. Then here in the gospel, he cometh nearer light and abides upon him, which argues a greater work in hand. The Spirit descends. How much should we make of this dove imagery? I mean, it's great for painting, and I love David Zelenka's painting. It's great for memorable preaching, good image. The sun and the water, the Spirit and the dove. But Garland cautions us from thinking too much about wings and a beak. The Spirit, he writes, comes fluttering down on Jesus like a dove, not as a dove. It is a dove-like descent, not a dove-like spirit. So perhaps like a dove may intend to remind us of the dove seen at the end of the story of Noah and the flood. The dove returns with an olive branch. Land has reappeared, a symbol of peace and hope and new beginnings. The worst is past. But I think the focus should be on the dove-like gentleness of movement. And to make this point, I want to employ a contrast. Contrast is the mother of clarity. I want to contrast the dove with a bird that I'm familiar with um, from the English seaside, the seagull. Now, a naive tourist at an English beach sees the white seagull fluting high, white above a blue sky over a sparkling sea, or against a gray sky over a gray sea. And the naive tourist smiles and thinks, what strength, what elegance. And they smile and they take a lick of their Cornish ice cream and stare dreamily into the distance. You don't know about the seagull's descent until it's too late. It doesn't come down fluttering to rest, to abide, a symbol of peace and hope. It dive bombs and snatches your ice cream from your very fingers in front of your mouth and flaps away. He saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a seagull. That would be very different. That would be scary. No. The spirit descends like a dove, graceful, quiet, and rests, abides on Jesus. A dove-like descent, but not a dove-like spirit. For two verses later, this same spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. The spirit and the dove. The spirit descends peacefully and moves powerfully. He leads us out of our comfort zones. But what might sustain us in this uncomfortable, scary, chaotic wilderness of 2021? The Father's voice. The Father's voice, or to be consistent, the Father in the voice. Again, Mark writes, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Father in the voice. Now, many speculate that this divine affirmation must have empowered Jesus to live so self-sacrificially for the sake of others. And I'm sure all of us can think 
of the formative parental voice. But I don't think divine affirmation is the main point here. The main point isn't how Jesus feels, but who Jesus is. You are my son, the beloved. Jesus is the one so loved by the Father and the Spirit that heaven is rent apart so the Spirit can rejoin him and the Father can speak to him. This story isn't about us at all. It isn't about us, but it is for us. How? The Holy Spirit rests on us in love, and the Father speaks to us in love, to the extent that we are united with Him, the Beloved. So how are we united to Christ? Repent and be baptized is what John told everyone else who came to him at the Jordan. Jesus, the beloved, had nothing to repent of, but he chose to be baptized like us, like sinful, broken humanity, to be united to us. And we now get baptized to be united to him. Many watching have been baptized as a baby or later in life. So what I'd like to do right now is to think, how does that work out today? Paul, the apostle, helps us writing in Romans 6 to encourage Christians to remember their baptism and let it shape their wills and their imaginations. He writes, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life, into the water, out of the water, into the grave, out of the grave, death, life. So, writes Paul, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And I like to, to practice that together now by engaging our imaginations. So, here or at home, I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to lead us through this little meditation as we engage our imaginations with baptism. Lord, pray, speak to us and help us consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to you in Christ. So friends, I'd like you to imagine being by the Jordan River and you see it before you. And I'd like you to walk in. And you're walking in up to your knees, up to your waist. And I want to imagine in your hands you are carrying your fears. And your shame. And your guilt. Your sin, your pride. Carry all that you have done that you shouldn't have done conscious of all that you didn't do that you should have done. Carry all the ways you've failed to love God and love others. And you're carrying that as you're walking into the Jordan and you go under. 
and you open your hands and you let it go. And the river, as you confess your sin, washes, flows that sin down river to who? To Jesus. And you see Jesus take them in his hands as he goes under. Lord, into your hands. They've gone. And you're up. And you're out of the water. And so much lighter. And you look up and heaven opens. And a sign of peace, of hope, of new beginnings. A dove floats down and rests upon you. And it's quiet. And you're quiet. And you hear your name. And you hear your Father in heaven say, You are my beloved, and with you I am well pleased. And you think, with me? Look at my hands, look what I've done. But your hands are empty. And he says, take my hand, and I will be with you through this year. What if we did that? every day. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, writes St. Paul. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We live in a world full of sin, full of fear and hatred and conflict and greed and pride and foolish ambition. And so did Jesus. And the John we saw in that painting, the John who baptized Jesus in the Jordan, that John was murdered a few months later, by the local despot, Herod, because Herod didn't want to lose face in front of his friends and give up his grip on power. And what the world needed then and needs now is people united to Christ, knowing his peace, following the Spirit's lead, receiving and sharing his forgiveness. United to Christ, the Spirit may lead us with Jesus to bring forth justice. Would you be that person? Why not spend time this week looking again at the new creation God is working in Christ's baptism? Accept your identity as a new creation, baptized into Christ. And if you haven't been baptized and would like to be, do contact us through the Ascension's website or talk to someone in your own church community. Let's pray. Lord, again, thank you that we are united to you. Pray help us daily consider ourselves dead to Christ and alive to you. Help us to receive your forgiveness, receive your peace, and have hope, and share that forgiveness and that hope with the world around us. For your glory. Amen.